Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well. I believe the Lord does have something for us. Um, What we'll do is we'll just pray real quickly. We'll get right in here into the Word, and as the Lord leads, you know, I mean, we're not bound by anything, but we're just going to do our best to follow, follow what he, you know, what he wants to do. He he has an answer for everybody, in every situation, and I also believe that it doesn't it doesn't matter what a what subject somebody's preaching on or teaching on that God can speak on you on an individual level, give you answers and directions for what you need. I I, I bet everybody in here needs an answer on something. I would imagine. If you don't come back next week, you'll need an answer. <laughs> As long as you inhale and exhale, you're going to need an answer. Lord, we thank you that you are good to us. Lord, that your word is forever settled in heaven, that your blood was shed for us, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, we're asking you to lead us, the author and the finisher of our faith, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. And anybody that has a question, anybody that needs wisdom and direction, We pray, we believe right now that we receive wisdom and answers from you. And for every family that may be represented in this room, or whoever might be listening on the podcast, in Jesus' name, amen. In uh, 2 Corinthians, if you have your Bible, you could turn turn it there. If not, you can just just listen. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And then as uh, as we go, you know, we may turn to a few other places. But while you're turning, I'm always like now to remind everybody uh, that Jesus is coming soon. That's something else that everybody needs to be understanding about and, and just accept it. It's not a long way off. It's right here in our very near future. It could be right here in the next few seconds. That wouldn't bother me. Now, there's a lot of people being in a world of hurt, but nevertheless, that day is right here upon us. But right here in the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians... Paul's writing in the 8th verse, he says, we're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifested in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Death works in us, but life in you. And we have the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. All things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at things which are seen but at things which are not seen. 
for things which are seen are temporal, but things which are not seen are eternal. And that's something that we need to understand and, and let the Lord get it into our heart. Things that are not seen are eternal. Things that are seen are temporal. Um, this is King James Version. Obviously, that's, that's what I'm used to reading out of. But everybody, most people know that uh, the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. Old Testament was written in the Hebrew. And uh, those two languages, and obviously the Lord fix it that way they're the most exact languages on the planet you know for like for instance in in uh we say this in english in america i love pizza i love football i love hot dogs i love my kid but over there they don't use that word that way they have one word for love meaning i love god and i love to drink water I know we got a, a buddy that married uh, a girl that speaks Spanish, and she said, "I never in my in my life I heard I heard those words, you know, love mentioned here, and it blew her for a loop because we have all these words that mean the same thing, but over there it, it didn't. There's one word for love for, for the God kind of love. It's called agape. When they said I love God, they said I agape. When they said, I, I, I love my buddy, they, or I like my buddy, they said, well, I feel you all they, they understood, well, he means he, he loves him like a friend, but he loves him like God. And most people believe that uh, when God formed Adam and he took him out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him, most uh, rabbi scholar, rabbi, rabbinical scholars, they say Hebrew was the first language that God spoke to man. They believe that's the very first language that he spoke that man understood was the Hebrew language. So that's why we refer a lot of times back to what the Hebrew actually said and then back to what uh, the Greek actually said. Because if you go back, you read in uh, the Old Testament, God said several times, I sent an evil spirit to trouble King Saul. And we read that and we think, well, see there, God will use the devil. He'll, he'll lock arms with Satan and send Satan over there. Well, God actually didn't say, I sent an evil spirit to trouble Saul. The actual Hebrew says, God permitted an evil spirit to trouble Saul. The word was a permissive verb. And there's a great difference between permitting something and then committing something. You know. Because if you have, you know, you have a kid sometimes and uh, you can go over to the stove and you tell them, don't touch the stove, it's hot. And you can even pick them up, turn on the eye of the skillet, you can take an egg, you can crack it, you can drop it in the skillet. And you say, look, you hold them, don't touch the skillet, it's hot, see what happens to the egg. But then you go off somewhere, you turn around and you hear a scream, what happens? They reached up there and they touched the skillet. Well, you permitted that in a sense, didn't you? But you didn't authorize it, didn't commit it. You didn't go over there and say, I want you to touch the skillet. Please, let me torture you. That's not what you said. But a lot of people think that God does things like that. Because this is a loose translation, and, and over the years it becomes foddered. But when you re- go back and you really study what Paul said right here, now I'm going to read it in what he literally said, what we just got through reading, not the, entire, the entirety of it, but just a few verses when he said, we're troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. This is what he said. He said, we are cramped in to where we have no room, but we're not pressed, excuse me. He said, we're pressed hard upon, but we're not cramped to where we have no room. We're left embarrassed 
and not knowing where to go. How many in this room have ever been left that way? Don't raise your hand all at once. (laughs) But Paul said, I've been embarrassed and I've been left not knowing where to go. This is the Apostle Paul who Jesus himself appeared to him more than once. And he says, I've been embarrassed and I've been left to where I don't know which way to go. But he said, I am not utterly at a loss and I'm not renouncing hope. Now hold on to the word hope there because it's a huge word. I'm mistreated and I've been harassed. We've all been there. He says, but I'm not left helpless. I've been thrown to the ground, but I'm not completely put out of the way to where I'm rendered useless. And in that 17th verse where he said, my light affliction, light afflictions, they are burdens, they're troubles, and they are pressures. And they're the same Greek word that Jesus used when he said, the sower sows the word, but the pressures of this life come to choke it out. Satan applies pressure to choke out the word that God plants in your heart, you know. Well, we, he went on to say, talking about the things that come against you. He says they are working a far greater glory in the future for me. Now, he said it's just for a moment. And that's something everybody needs to understand. You know, I, I was telling some of our Sunday school bunch this morning. And uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's, it's a shame. Uh, people can, can hear a right message and they can make shipwreck out of it. Even Paul said you can take and make shipwreck out of what even the Apostle Paul was saying. And we talk about faith and folks believe. And I, I sat down on a couch with a fellow one time. And uh, he was trying to explain that he wants, he don't understand. Some people get saved and the next thing you know, there's, there's nothing that ever happens or nothing that ever goes wrong. And I remember thinking to myself, and I think we even said to the guy, well, I don't know who in the world you've met. Because there ain't nowhere I've ever seen to where once you get saved, it automatically, it automatically says you just float through a stream on flowery beds of ease. Because it don't happen. And it don't exist. You're going to go through a lion's den. You will go through a fiery furnace. And uh, something that we were were hitting on a little bit, and this is the truth. God could have back there at the three Hebrew children, if he wanted to. He's God and he's sovereign. He can do what he wants to in a lot of cases, can't he? He can do everything but make your choice for you. And he won't make your choice. But he could have instantly appeared to Nebuchadnezzar and told him, don't touch the three Hebrew children. If you touch them, you're all going to die, wipe you all out. He could have done that, didn't he? He didn't do it. They went through the furnace. Daniel went through the lion's den. David had to face Goliath, didn't he? They had to go over Jordan, the, Hebrew, the Hebrews. They had to go into Canaan's land. They had to fight the giants. They had no choice. And that was God's will, God's plan. He was with them the whole time. And if you go back and you look, you'll find out that the first group that went over Jordan to fight the giants, when they came back, they said, we ain't going to do it. 
Because we're grasshoppers in their sight. God said, no, you've got to do it. This is my plan. Go and do it. Joshua and Caleb said, we're well able to do it. But the rest of them said, no, we ain't going to do it. There's three million against two. Because they had about three million people behind them saying, no, we're going to cash out and not going to do it. And God said, that generation then will not see it. But Joshua and Caleb, nearly 100 years old, they never lost what we got through reading. That spirit of faith. And that spirit of faith, you may be kicked down and you're going to get kicked down. But a spirit of faith says, I'm well able to keep on doing it. I'm going to keep going. And they maintained, Joshua and Caleb, a spirit of faith. And the younger generation that came up after them, they took them on in there to the promised land. They maintained an attitude of faith. I'm not talking about a mind over matter I'm not talking about just put a smile on your face and say everything's going to be just hunky-dory. I'm talking about faith in God's Word. Mind over matter and, and uh, the, the five-step positive thinking is very similar to a spirit of faith. It looks a lot like brass and gold, but it ain't the same. Brass and gold a lot of times used in the Bible in comparison. A lot between brass and gold, you know. Uh, the Bible speaks of an unfeigned faith and an unfeigned love because feigned and unfeigned, it is, we, we get our Greek word plastic, plastos, and our English word is plastic. And people say you can have a plastic faith is what the Bible says, or you can have a rock solid faith, but, or, or a cast iron faith or whatever, they're going to look the same. Brass and gold look the same. You ever known somebody where they acted like they loved you and you thought and you, after you get to know them, you realize, well, they were fake because they had a feigned love towards you. A feigned love. Well, there's a feigned faith and there, there's an unfeigned faith. Just because you have faith doesn't mean you're not going to get punched in the stomach. Doesn't mean your leg ain't going to get broken. Doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, slapped across the face kicked, you know, kicked around because Jesus said the storms of life come to everybody. He said, there's going to be people that build their house on a rock and they build their house on a sandy land, but the same storm is going to come. There's no way around it. It's going to happen. Jesus Christ said so, but the ones that build their house on a rock solid faith in God's word, no matter if your shingles get blown off, if the windows get busted out, as long as that foundation is, is, is rooted and grounded in the word of God, you're going to be all right. You're going to get to the place that you're going. You're going to go, be able to go through and weather the storm, weather the trial, because it's going to come to everybody. And people just need to accept, accept it. Yes, trials and tribulations do come. Jesus said they come, but there's a way to go through them. And there's a way to come out better than you were before. I'm talking about better in Him. You know, even uh, First Peter said, said this. He said, the trying of your faith is like that of precious gold. Unless you're squeezed, unless you're put in a position... You'll never know when I say what you're made of. I'm talking about what you're made of in Christ Jesus. But uh, I don't want to put no emphasis on us as individuals. But I'm talking about you never know what you're made of or how well the word of God is going to hold you steady. Because God's word will hold you steady. It'll put you on a place, on a road that's going to be, it will come out 
on the victorious side, on the victorious end. But the Apostle Paul himself, remember, I mean, this right here is a fellow, he's got a mansion in heaven that, that's going to far surpass a lot of ours. He's well known all across the world, even today, a very famous man. And like I said, seen Jesus, I mean, face to face, the Lord appeared to him more than once. Paul was even caught up. He said, I was caught up. Actually, he said, I knew a man above 14 years ago, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows. But one that was caught up into paradise. And everybody believes, Paul's talking about, to, about his own experience, that God caught him up and let him look and see glimpses and parts of heaven. And he came back and he said, the reason why these are nothing but light afflictions to me, the reason why these tests and trials are nothing but a thump, is because I've seen the other side. And I'm here to tell y'all, what you go through here is nothing compared to what's waiting for us. Nothing compared to it. He was beaten unmercifully, stoned, and a lot of folks don't know how, you know, you got to really do some studying to figure out how they stoned people. Stoned and left for dead, and then he was raised up from the dead. They didn't take, take uh, golf-ball-sized rocks and line you up against a wall and try to play dodgeball with you. They put you under a cliff, chained your ankles down, took some boulders, pushed them off, squashed you like a bug. He was left for, that happened to him a lot. And the Bible says he would get up and walk about his business. By the time he, he, he stood up before Caesar, he didn't have a tooth in his head, and, and history tells you Paul did not live a very long, he was not a man of great, he didn't live a, a very long time. But would you want to? They hang him up in a sewer for days on end to where his neck was just above. Sometimes they would take dead bodies and they would strap them around prisoners and want the decaying body to eat into you. Sometimes Paul would be shipwrecked I mean, he said, man, I, I was naked for days, a lot. Didn't have nothing to eat. He's out there, I mean, in freezing cold water. He went through things we can't imagine, beaten with rods. And when you think about that, some of us, you know, were beaten with a switch. Two or three licks as a kid. Today, people don't do that, you know. But uh, he was beaten with rods. All his ribs broken. Bones cracked. By the time he stood before Caesar, he didn't look like he, he looked like he was basically the movies of the walking dead. But you know what he said to him, chained up in front of him? He said, I'm going to tell you something. I am a happy man. So much so that some of them said, just looking at you and what's coming out of your mouth persuades us to side in with you and believe what you've got to say. Because there's something more about believing than seeing. He's standing in a palace. He looks like a peasant. But yet they're like, we're, going, we, we're fixing a side in with you because you're sitting here standing here looking like you look, beaten like you are. You have nothing. You have no, no family. He didn't have a, a, a viewing when he went home to be with the Lord. Paul didn't have a wake and a viewing and people to sign the book. They, they chunked his body over somewhere and that was it. But now he had a homecoming and a half when he walked through glory, you see. Because he said, I, I know where I'm headed. 
I know what I'm doing on the earth. And even like Abraham, and he borrowed the words from Abraham, and we do too, where Abraham said, listen, I'm a sojourner. I'm heading somewhere. I'm going to a place with foundations whose city has foundations with the builder and the maker himself, God himself. And what we're, what we're going to get over to, that's a quick introduction now for the next few minutes to see if we can, we can wrap her up. When he says, I'm looking at things that are eternal, not at things that are temporal. There is more to life than what you see with your physical eye. What you feel with your physical feelings. What you hear with your natural ear. There's more than what you experience. There's more than what you hear on television. There's, it's, when I say more to life, because life doesn't end for anybody at physical death. And when the Bible speaks of death, it speaks of three deaths. Physical death, spiritual death, and then the second death. Very little does it talk about physical death. It speaks of spiritual death, and it speaks of the second death. Because those are the things that matter. Jesus himself said, do not be afraid of what can happen to your body. Because what can happen afterwards is much, much, much more severe, much more worse. If you don't have Jesus, if you don't have God, Jesus said, don't fear what can happen to your physical body, but fear what can happen without God thrown. And the Bible refers to hell many times as pits. Because when we, we talk about these things, you know, and, and uh, we were talking some about Wednesday night. And I hope I don't offend nobody because we're just we're not doing this as destructive criticism. We're doing this as constructive criticism. There's a difference, y'all know. So you ain't gonna stall me, are you? Y'all out there, or we just here, you know, today. <laughs> well, I uh, several times, you know, I've been able to, and 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 I think it's a blessing. And and like I said, I said this Wednesday night. I don't want to keep going back to it, but. Sometimes I feel like the Lord's graced me in some areas to where, um, I mean, he's helped me in in some spots to where I I have an anointing sometimes to help people that's gone home to be with the Lord or or the family that's still left. And sometimes uh, to preach funerals. Um, You know, and it ain't me definitely because I definitely ain't no speaker by any means, but I just think sometimes the Lord has helped me grace me in that area. And, and I've been able to sit down with folks uh, more than once that they've had, they have loved ones that's passed on. And uh, the ones, and I've been there to where it, it was a shame to have to say it when, when people call and, and uh, the funeral director says, listen, uh, the family is here and, and they don't have a church, they don't have a pastor, they don't have anything. And we got to have somebody that's going to say a few words to move this right along. Well, that's very disheartening. You know, and I'm not being a judge, but it's very sad. And it's not that they didn't have any family, it's the fact they didn't have a pastor. Because in that case, it's much, much, much worse. And I've been, I preached those. And one thing I did say, you know, he said, listen, what you do is you get up here and you do this. And I said, well, hang on just a second. I said, I I mean, I'll I'll take the Bible and I'll just trust the Lord. But I said, one thing I'm not going to do, I can't get behind a pulpit and lie for anybody. I mean, I make, I make misstatements and I forget things and I say things sometimes that aren't true is because I thought it was. But I said, I can't get up there and deliberately lie for somebody. I just can't do it. 
I said, but I, I believe I, I, can, I can get up here and, and preach gently and, and do, leave, leave the family with something that uh, brings some comfort instead of walk up there and do like some people might say, say, well, all indication, he's in hell. Because some folks would do that. I've heard of preachers walked up and they said they've done that. That ain't the right time to do that. You know what? <laughs> it's, just, it's just not a good time to do something like that. But uh, anybody, because we're talking about things that are right now not seen. And God, Jesus said, he's a spirit. God's not a man. He is a spirit. And um, he lives and he abides in an area, what we call the spirit realm. It's the first realm. It created this natural realm. Jesus said, my words are spirit, my words are life. Everything that you get from God is done, you receive in here in, from your spirit in communion with his spirit. And a lot of times when you receive from the Lord, when you receive from your spirit, it begins to affect the natural realm. The spirit realm is much, much, much more real and much more stout than this natural realm, than this matter, and what you kick your chairs, you slap your face, or whatever it is. Much, much more real. I mean, the Bible's plain about it right now in the room, in this room. Well, we do know angels right now are in the room. Angels are everywhere. And on occasion, people see them. I mean, God's opened, his eye, opened the eyes of a lot of people, let them look into the, the spirit realm. And people say, well, how, how does he do that? Because he's God. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 43, 25, it says, I even I am he that blots out thy transgressions, and I will not remember thine iniquities. Did you know he said that? He says, I blot them out, and I will not remember them. And I've heard folks try to explain to me, well, that's not really so. God can't forget because he's God. That never did satisfy me. I finally, come up, I finally found the answer. How does he forget your transgressions? Because he said so. If God said your past is blotted out and he says, I don't remember your iniquities, then that means he does not remember your iniquities. In the mind of God, he doesn't see any fault in us. If you're in Christ Jesus, you know, there is no fault. Well, but people find it, they'll believe that, but they find it hard that God would permit somebody to look into the spirit realm and see, see something. And it don't concern me one bit that a person sees an angel. The thing that concerns me is like what some folks say is, how come we're not seeing more of them? Is anybody else with me? And I've had several testimonies of folks, you know, that talk about uh, angelic, you know, beings and, and um, where they've said they've, they've seen several people have told me. I've watched and, and sometimes they, they some have gone home to be with the Lord and, and some some moved away and moved off. But uh, several folks have said, Lord, I've seen angels standing up there. Why you why you preach? I've seen one standing right behind you the whole entire time. I, and a lot of times it's children that tell their parents or their grandparents. That they say there was an angel standing back there. Sometimes, you know, uh, when I'd be preaching, and it's not just peculiar to me, there's, there's a lot of people that do that. And over, 
over a period of time, you know, especially in this day, uh, I believe there's a lot more of that going on. Because it's more real than what we're looking at right here. And if a person, you know, if you saw Jesus, because the Bible says Jesus himself, if two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. So Jesus himself is in the room. Why should we think it's strange that God would permit somebody to see him? God's sovereign, isn't he? He can do that. That's his business. It's not mine. But uh, when a person steps out of their body, when you take that last breath, and uh, if the Lord tarries 100 years from now, everybody in here is going, going, going by the way of the grave. I mean, that's just a fact of life. But when your body takes that last breath, and you step out, step out of your body, you, the real man, what Peter said, the hidden man of the heart. The first thing that you're going to realize is how good you feel. That is, if you're born again. If you're not born again, it ain't going to be that way. But if you're a Christian, just like when Paul said, I was caught up. And he said, it was so real, I couldn't tell if I was in my body or outside my body. I had no idea. It's so real, you can't tell the difference. When you step out of your body and a person that goes to heaven... And is actually living, walking in heaven. They're walking and living and breathing just like you are right here. Except the capacity for you in heaven to be happy, to be full of joy, to laugh is limitless. There's no fear. There's no worry. There are no cares of this life. There is no regret about anything that's ever gone on on the planet. None. No regrets. And you you know, people say, man, I regret doing this and I regret doing that. Well, everybody in the earth, you know, you've had regrets, but it's time to get over them. Y'all out there, it's time to get over the regrets. And you say, well, I've been snake bit. Well, the apostle Paul was snake bit too. He was on an island after a shipwreck. And they went over, he got the village people together. They built a fire, a viper ran out and latched on to him. And they all said, see there, this man will not escape justice. The viper came to kill him. Everybody in this room, you've been bit by a viper in some shape, form, or fashion. Whether it was through uh, you lost friends, you lost money, you lost a ministry, you went through divorce, you had all kinds of mess that happened to you. The viper bit you, but it's time to shake that thing in the fire and let it burn up. And Paul shook it in the fire, and the thing's gone and burn up. There, there are times to do that, you know, and move forward. Why could Paul do that? Because he kept saying, I ain't viewing the things that are temporal right here. They're, they're considered light afflictions because I know what's up ahead. So when you come out of your body and a person goes to heaven, in heaven the colors are much more sharper and brighter than they are right here. The food, much more, much more better. Because somebody would ask, well, do you eat in heaven? Well, sure you eat. Remember what, what Jesus said concerning the rich man? He said, he's up here now. He's with Abraham. And the, I mean, uh, Lazarus was with Abraham. The rich man was in hell. And, and the rich man was begging Lazarus to send water to me. Send something to me. He said, well, I can't come over there. It's too late for you now. But uh, sure, you eat in heaven. You drink in heaven. You play in heaven. You work. You live There's all kinds of events that go on. 
the thought that gets, that's more than anything, I guess, that gets over to me is the capacity that you have to experience. Because you go back and you read in, in Ephesians, particularly the message translation, Jesus tells you, I've come, when he says I've come for life, you know, when, I, when I've come for everything that you need, the message translation talks about, he says, I'm showing you how life was supposed to really be like. And yes, we're going through troubles, but life is going to be much, much more what it's supposed to be, what Jesus intended for it to be for each and every person that knows him when you get over there to the other side. And I know, folks, I've had people tell me you shouldn't be so heavenly minded that you're not earthly good. That's not what the Bible says. In Colossians, he says, you better set your gaze up on things above. View the things that are above, because if the revelation of it that gets inside of you, I mean, you know, the light bill, what am I going to do? Well, you, well, when you understand, you're going to pay the light bill. You're going to make it. But folks that, are, folks that leave their body, sometimes I wish we could communicate with them because I would bet you the farm on it, they would come back and say, don't worry about anything. Why? Because believe me, it's all going to be well worth it. Every bit of it's well worth it. Don't worry about, you know what? Just like Jesus said, forgive and forget it. Why? Because when you cross over there, it's going to be well worth it. Ephesians tells you this. He says, in ages to come, I'm going to put on a show for you. Just think, he's going to put on a show for mankind in ages to come. He's telling the people in heaven, listen, y'all ain't seen nothing yet. Because the Bible's still true for people in heaven than it is right here. He said, listen, ages to come, I'm really going to show you a few things. They haven't seen the best. We definitely ain't seen the best. When he says, just forgive, just go ahead and love. Jensen Franklin says, love like you've never been hurt. You know, he also preaches a sermon that says, your first night in hell. That's a bad, that's, it's a real sermon and it should be preached. Even to Christians, to believers. Because right on the opposite side, and we could talk about heaven until five o'clock this evening, but right on the opposite side, because we're fixing to wind her up here, just like heaven is, and just think about it, this is just the first show. Because Revelation says he's going to completely remodel that one. And how he can remodel it and make it better, he said, I'm going to remodel that one. You know, at the end of it, I'll make it even better. But just like God himself has, has made heaven into a place of absolute beyond fun and excitement for people. Fun. Not boring. There is no sitting on the cloud and eating grapes. Unless you want to, you know. And I say it a lot of times. The people that have painted little baby fat cherubs as angels with wings, they ought to be shot. Because ain't no angel looks that way. <laughs> they don't look like that. They're very, very large. The Bible says they excel in strength. And since we're talking a little bit about it, you know, um, I mean, something I ain't ever shared, I ain't ever told anybody in my life. I guess except now. But uh, I woke up, sound asleep, I sleep like a rock. I woke up, opened my eyes, and outside my window, I saw a man walking 
saw his arm swinging, walking outside my window. But the window, the top of the window come up right here. All I could see was from here, you know, to about right there. And he had on white and he had on his outline in blue and blue was glowing out of him. It was a bluish glow coming out of him. Never scared me. Never frightened me. I said to myself, well, that's an angel. And I went right back to sleep. But I mean, knowing how my windows are and knowing how, you know, I could see to there. Sucker had to be 11 to 12 feet tall. And think about it. Is there outside your window? And they're inside your bedroom. And that's nothing to be scared about at all. That's something to be happy about. Because Jesus said, suffer the little children that come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. Because why? He said, their angel. Their angel is ever before my father's face. Just because you grow up don't mean you lose your angel. You need them now more than ever. Don't you? I know we do. More than ever. So a person that leave, when they leave their body and they go into hell, just like in heaven, the capacity to have life, fun, you know, in hell, the depression is beyond your wildest imagination. You'll never get over a depressed spirit in your entire life. You'll never get past regret. You will always think about your family and the hurts that you may have caused or the hurts they may get, be going through because the rich man, he did that constantly. He was constantly calling out for his family. You'll never drink. You'll never lay down because the Bible says day or night. That's what's strange because folks say there is no time, but the Bible says day and night, day and night. They never rest. That means they don't ever get to lay their head down again. They'll never lay their head down again. How many in here, you've been through times where you've been so sleepy and so tired, you're so angry, you know. Everybody's done that. I mean, have a baby. <laughs> It'll come to that. But think about it. People in hell, you'll never sleep again. You'll never take a drink of water again. You'll have a mind-bending hunger, a mind-bending thirst. The regret will be beyond your wildest imagination. You're on the brink of insanity, but you'll never be able to go insane. That's how real the spirit realm is. And only for the person that's born again and understands I've got, I'm basing my life. I'm just going to go ahead and feed on this. Not, not, not reading it to be, to be a theological person of, of history, but feeding on this, knowing this is how I get to know Jesus. And the only reason we say that, we got six minutes left. The reason why we say feed on the word, because when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples... After he rose from the dead, the Bible tells us that their eyes were restrained. They couldn't see him. But in the flesh, they were looking right at him. But their eyes were restrained. They could not see him. And so from that walk, from all the way to Emmaus, the Bible says that Jesus began to talk to them and tell them how he had to die, how he had to be born a virgin and go through death and be raised from the dead. And after Jesus explained that to them, the Bible says their eyes were opened and then they saw him. They saw him. Now, this is just how God set things up. This is the way he did it. You want to see Jesus. I'm talking about seeing him for how he is because the reality is this. Not everybody's going to see him in the flesh right here. 
I've never seen him. And 99.9% of every uh, Christian's never seen him that's on the planet right now. He's not going to appear to you. But he wants us by faith to feed on his word in order for you to see him. Not read the Bible for rules and regulations and to be able to say, I have all this knowledge and all this history because that's wonderful. Don't misunderstand me. He's wanting us to look at the Word of God as the living Jesus. And I tell folks a lot, I say that don't get caught up in trying to read five and six chapters a day. Get caught up with two and three verses a day. And take those two or three verses all day long and think about them. That is much, much, much. You'll get further along spiritually in your heart by doing that. Then you will trying to cram before you go to sleep and say, I got my Bible reading done or I've got my Bible reading done because I want to go down and debate. I want to go down and, you know, prove my point or whatever. Feed for a for a reason. Take two and three verses that mean something to you all day long. That is that's the best way to do it. Feed instead of look at it from a standpoint of just study. And the Bible says, your eyes, then they will not be restrained. You'll be able to see him. Did y'all get anything out of this? I hope so. Shall I? You know what I mean? Um, well, you, 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 I guess you better. Well, Josh talking about Paul going through all he went through. He was a fine wine, wasn't he? And they got finished with him for sure. Um, I don't, I don't want to be that fine of a wine. I'm okay just with mediocre. Keep my teeth. That's good. Um, I was out in the foyer. It's been several months ago. And, um, Stick was out there with his son. We call him Stick. He's, his real name's David. He's long and lean, like a stick. That's why we call him Stick. But he had his little baby, his little boy with him. I guess he's three or four now. This might have been a year or two ago. I, seems like yesterday. But he had his balloon, his helium balloon. And that helium balloon uh, touched the light out there in the foyer, and it popped it. And that balloon fell to the ground. And I'm talking about he was crying and crying and crying and crying. He was upset. Couldn't, couldn't get him, you know, couldn't comfort him. He, he wanted that balloon really bad. And you've all, all seen a kid drop a sucker. They've been licking on it and they drop it and they pick it up and it's just got grass and stuff's just stuck all over it. It's ruined. And what do they do? They cry. I mean, they cry. That sucker and that balloon is all that they can comprehend, all that they can understand. That's what they see with their eyes is my sucker and my balloon's busted, right? But the dad, the mom says, it's, a, it's, no, big, it's no big deal, honey. Just, it's, a, it's just a balloon. It's just a sucker. It's not a big deal, is it? The big scheme of life is a balloon or a sucker. Is, it that, is that a big deal? It's a balloon. It's a sucker. It's not a big deal. And when that little kid is crying his eyes out, 
grows up and becomes a man or a woman, they're going to look back and they're going to say, you know what, that balloon, that really wasn't that big of a deal. That sucker, it really wasn't that big of a deal. And I think the Lord spoke to me through that balloon, and I think that's how he looks at us. And what I mean is things don't always go right in life. And our balloon busts, and we drop our sucker, and we cry, and it upsets us. But he's just looking, saying, it's not as big a deal as you think it is. Just hang on a little bit longer. Because when we're called up there with him, we're going to look back and say, you know what? It really wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that big of a deal at all. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 